This morning for our text, we'll look in the book of Luke. We'll look at the ninth chapter and we'll read verses 57 through 62. Luke 9, 57 through 62. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home and at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I suppose if you were going to title this message, you could call it the cost for following Jesus. I'm sure I'm stating the obvious when I say that people like free stuff. We all agree free is the best price. People are willing to sign up and wait in line for things if they're convinced that it is free. Years ago, my dad went and listened to a promotional. I don't remember all the details, but it seems, if I remember correctly, it had something to do with a group of investors, and they were looking for other people to invest, and it was some kind of a real estate venture. They wanted to find enough investors to develop a piece of property and to turn it into a resort, and my dad was not interested at all in investing, but he was very interested in the offer for a free boat. All he had to do was go and listen to their presentation. That's something he could sign up for. So he went there on the day he was supposed to go, went to the office there, sat through their whole promotional speech, listened to their sales pitch. I don't know if it was a few hours. Wasn't any more convinced before than he was then, but he still wanted his free boat. So we asked him, am I going to get my free boat? He said, well, you sure are. That's part of our deal. He said, why don't you wait here and we'll go get it for you. So he said as he was waiting for them to pull that boat around on that trailer, and sure you must have a trailer, he was probably trying to figure out, how am I going to get this home? I don't know if he had a tow hitch and maybe wondering where am I even going to park this thing, but it was free. So as he was envisioning this free boat, the salesman came out with my dad's free boat tucked under his arm. said, here you go. It was an inflatable raft, not even a very good one. I don't think my dad ever even used it, but people like free stuff. We know that's just the truth. When our scripture reading, Brother Eric read, Jesus had a lot of people following him that day, but he said, you're here for the free lunch, the free loaves and fishes. But to be a true follower of Christ, there's a price involved. And that portion of text that I just read was Jesus letting us know what the cost is for being a true disciple. He mentions three different potential followers here. My margin says three half-hearted followers. 
When I thought about these three different men, I thought you could describe them in three different ways. You have a fair weather follower. You have the convenient follower. And you have the distracted follower. Look at this first man, verse 57 and 58. It says, It came to pass that as they went their way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Made a very bold proclamation. Certainly you would think that would be something that Jesus would want to hear from any potential follower. And he said the words, and Jesus, you know, and he heard the words he said, but he also saw this man's heart. And Christ hears our words, but he sees our hearts as well. And you look at the response there. He said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You almost think Jesus wasn't all that eager or anxious to accept this man's offer to follow him. The invitation was there, but Jesus saw something in this man's heart that was lacking. He heard the words, but he also saw the heart. Matthew 8, verse 19, describes this man as a scribe. So we know he was a teacher of the law. And according to some commentaries, it was customary for scribes to attach themselves to other popular teachers and popular rabbis, and it was a way of promoting their own influence in society. So maybe he looked at it as an opportunity to further promote himself. Maybe he saw all the things that Jesus was doing during this time. If you read through that chapter, ninth chapter, just previous to this encounter, Jesus was doing a lot of amazing things. He'd sent out his twelve, and they were... Casting out devils. Jesus delivered the man that was a demoniac. Maybe this scribe was there when the 5,000 were fed and he saw the authority that Jesus had. And so maybe he thought he could capitalize on this and further his own agenda or make himself even more popular. Maybe uh, gain a little more status. Well, again, Jesus saw this man's heart. He said, I'll follow you wherever you go. I don't think this man realized that Jesus was actually going to Jerusalem on his way to the cross to give his life as a ransom for the entire world and so that uh, sinners could be saved. If that man had known that's where Christ was headed, I doubt very seriously he would have offered to follow him to the cross. Well, this man, he was a fair-weather follower. He was willing to follow As long as the road was smooth and easy and exciting, Jesus was popular. Might have been the thing that was trending at the time, so certainly sign me up. But Jesus was letting him know there's more to it than that. There's a price to pay. There's a big big difference in being interested in something and being committed to something. Years ago, when we lived in California, for a few years, my wife taught piano and all of the new students were always very interested in playing the piano and so she would start them at the same place she'd go through the fingerings and teach them a few of the basics and they were very excited and a couple lessons later they would be playing twinkle twinkle little star and my dog has fleas and all those beginning songs and it was exciting they were interesting because they could play the piano But as the lessons began to get more difficult and as she would try to bring them to that next level, it was very easy to see who was interested 
and who was committed. Sometimes I'd get home in the afternoon and she'd be giving a lesson. And even I could tell from the kitchen or the other room who practiced and who didn't. Sometimes I'd tell my wife after they would leave, it doesn't sound like so-and-so practiced this week. I kind of frustrated her because she knew it and she was trying to get him to practice, but it became very apparent who was interested and who was really committed to put in the time and the effort and the discipline that it would take to be an accomplished piano player. She said one student got so frustrated he began to pound his head on the piano keys. I know that's not how you play a piano, but I don't know how far he got in his lessons, but it's different. You can be interested or you can be committed to something. Well, this man was interested in following Jesus, but he wasn't committed. The Lord isn't interested or looking for interested followers. He's looking for those that are committed to put in the time and the effort when things get difficult, when the challenges come, uh, we don't lose hope. We look to the Lord and we continue to follow. So the Lord must have seen something in this man's heart. He was a, a fair-weather follower. We come to the second man, verse 59 and 60. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. You call this man a convenient follower. He didn't refuse the Lord, just that he had some other things to do at the moment. This wasn't a convenient time for him. He had other obligations, maybe family duties. And if you look at his excuse here, It would seem legitimate. Let me go bury my father. But you know it was just an excuse. And Jesus knew it was just an excuse. The problem is this man's father wasn't even dead yet. According to Jewish custom that when a loved one passed away, it was customary to bury that person the very same day. So obviously this man wouldn't have been here speaking to Jesus. If his father had died, he would have been at the funeral. So... Really, it was just a reason to put the Lord off. It just wasn't quite convenient at the time. Of course, if he was the oldest son, the Bible doesn't indicate that. But then again, his inheritance might have been on the line as well. If he would have left early, he might have been walking away from some financial gain. Whatever the reason, it wasn't a convenient time for this man to follow Jesus. Well... What does Matthew 6.33 tell us? Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. To be a true follower of Christ, Christ must have preeminence. We must put him first. This man wasn't willing to do that. He might have had good intentions. You know, Satan has no problem with good intentions. If we're honest, good intentions, they they make us feel good about ourselves. It's like we can virtue signal to ourselves. Hey, I've got good intentions. I mean to do this someday, and I know I should take care of that, and, and I mean to do this. So we can even tell ourselves, well, my heart is right. Shouldn't that count for something? Well, good intentions lead to procrastination. This man simply was wasn't willing to follow Christ at that moment. He thought maybe at a more convenient time. 
You know, the Bible's full of accounts of those who thought they could put the Lord off and maybe they could follow at a more convenient time. You have that rich young ruler who came to Jesus, uh, fell at his feet and said, Lord, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, sell what you have. Get rid of that idol in your life. Take up your cross. Follow me. You can have treasure in heaven. He made that offer. Come, follow me. But that man went away sorrowful. It wasn't convenient for him. You read in Acts, as Paul, Acts 24, he appeared before the Roman governor, Felix, and he shared his testimony and he preached Christ unto Felix. He said, as Felix's reason of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, he trembled. That was the Holy Spirit dealing with his heart, calling him, come, follow me. What a golden opportunity. What did he do? He sent Paul away. He said, come, and at a more convenient time, I'll call for you. A couple chapters over, Acts 26, again, Paul appearing before King Agrippa, sharing his conversion, telling him about the gospel, preaching Christ. And in verse 28, it says, Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You can see the call went out. The opportunity was there, but these men had something more important to do at the time. We have no scriptural indication anywhere in the Bible that these men ever had another opportunity to follow the Lord. We don't read where Jesus circled back and gave him another opportunity or another chance. You know, the most convenient time to follow Christ is now. If Jesus is dealing with your heart this morning. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Today is a day of salvation. If you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Now is the most, you'll never have a greater opportunity than you have right now if Jesus is calling you to come, follow me. We don't want to put it off like these men did. You know, as the bride of Christ, God's returning for those that look for and love his appearing. We might be engaged in other activities, but our focus and our hearts are going to be on the Lord. This man, again, he was waiting for another opportunity, a more convenient time. We come to this third follower. We could call him the distracted follower. And another said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, this man, just like the other man before him, no doubt he had good intentions. He said, Lord, I will follow you. But I have some things I want to take care of first. I want to go back first and let me visit my family and friends one more time. You notice there's a very noticeable similarity in both these men's response. One man said, suffer me first. This second man here said, or this last man said, Lord, let me first. There's the problem right there. There are no me first when it comes to following Christ. The first step to following Christ is to be willing to follow Christ first. Jesus makes that very clear. You're never going to get the Lord to the negotiating table. The Lord isn't going to bargain. When he calls you, he calls you. God doesn't need to negotiate. He's perfect. His plan is perfect. His ways are perfect. His plan for your life is absolutely perfect. God doesn't have to negotiate and he won't. Any giving, any yielding is on our part. We don't want to 
uh, tell the Lord, maybe at a different time, or Lord, let me first. You know, Jesus, again, he made it very clear. If any man would be my disciple, let him what? Let him first deny himself. You know, we see in this man, too, he wasn't willing to make a break with his past. Lord, let me first go bid them farewell. Maybe he thought in his mind he could follow Christ and continue to do the things he did in his past. You know, there are people who think, well, maybe following Christ is gradual and I can kind of maybe go back and revisit a few of those old sins a couple more times just to make sure I'm done with them. And maybe eventually I'll somehow morph into being a full-time follower of Christ. You know what? It's not a a 12-step program. It's not. It's instantaneous. The process of following Christ is a lifetime, but the decision to follow Christ isn't something we do in a moment. The change that takes place takes place in a moment. Jesus said, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. All those old things are passed away. All things become new. And the Lord expects us to make a complete, clean break from the things of our past. You know, Christ, again, the way he responded, he told this man, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, he was saying, you can't move forward when you're looking backward. You can't plow a straight field or a straight line when you're looking all around and you're distracted. It doesn't work. When we put our hand to the plow, when we commit our lives to Christ, we say, Lord, I'm yours from here on out. We turn our back on that old life. We burn those bridges. We cut all those ties to our past and we never look back. Jesus said, if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. What would happen if you decided to drive your car that way? Maybe you got in your car and you decided you were going to look in the rear of your mirror or look over your shoulder the whole time without looking forward. You wouldn't get very far. Maybe out of your driveway, but that'd be about it. My wife and I have a, a mutual friend. She's a few years older than we are, but she tells this story on herself occasionally. But when she was very young, just a teenager, she was driving her car one day and she was looking in the rearview mirror instead of looking out ahead of her. She was actually curling her eyelashes in the rearview mirror as she was driving and she did not see the car stop in front of her. And as a result, she slammed in the back end of the car and that impact caused her to rip all her eyelashes out. Just one eye. Well, that was a painful reminder of what it's like, the danger of being distracted. Well, the Lord here is warning us there's a grave danger in being spiritually distracted. The pain's a lot worse than losing some eyelashes. People step out in a lost eternity because they become distracted, because they want to keep looking back. And Jesus says you can't look back and move forward. The Apostle Paul found a key ingredient to being a successful follower. He says, forgetting those things that are behind, pressing toward the mark. Paul had a goal in mind, and he kept his eye focused on heaven. We don't want to be distracted followers. Always looking back, Jesus said, the man that does that isn't fit for the kingdom of heaven. You know, heaven is made up of Christ's disciples, his followers. We know that. And all of Christ's 
faithful followers, they have some things in common. We can look in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 through 22. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Matthew 9, verse 9, gives us the account when Jesus saw Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. They were willing to leave everything behind. They were willing to be inconvenienced. They were willing to respond immediately. They were willing to follow Christ wherever he led them, even unto death. Many of Christ's disciples, all but one, gave their lives for their decision to follow Christ, but they were willing to pay the price. As Christ's disciples today, can we expect to follow him any less? You know, the criteria for following Jesus is still the same. The Lord has never changed the rules. He says, if any man would be my disciple, there's the invitation, the calls for anyone, but let him first Deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. A cross is something we willingly take up. It's not something the Lord is going to force on us. You know, burden is not the same thing as a cross. People carry burdens around all the time. There are millions of sinners in the world today who are carrying around a burden of sin. They're being crushed and destroyed under that burden of sin. A cross isn't the same thing. The cross is something we willingly take on ourselves to follow Jesus. You know, it doesn't lead to death and destruction. That cross will lead to glory and eternal life. But we must be willing to take it up. You know, when you're carrying your cross, you're attached to that cross. It's a reminder we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. But the best news, one day, if we're faithful, I believe it could be one day very soon, we're going to be able to cash in that cross for a crown. Jesus has promised us that crown of eternal life, that crown, that crown of righteousness. But you know it comes with a cost. That crown isn't free. We have to have a cross to give to Jesus before you can receive that crown. But there's some wonderful promises in God's Word. Revelation 2.10 Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Christ's own words. Paul, at the end of his life, said, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all those who also love his appearing. There's a payday coming, saints. There is for carrying our cross. And, you know, serving the Lord isn't all doom and gloom and trials and tribulations. Serving the Lord is wonderful. We have the peace of God, uh, freedom of guilt and condemnation. We can have peace between God and man. There's so many wonderful benefits to serving the Lord in this life. But we do need to be willing to carry our cross. 
But in closing, there's one more promise. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'll end with a little story I read a few years ago about an old missionary couple, and they'd spent many years of their life serving in on the continent of Africa, and they were turning back to the United States. They had... Um, they just were worn out. They had no pension, their health was broken, and they felt kind of discouraged. They hadn't really seen a lot of fruit for their labors there, and as they were sailing home, they happened to find out on the same ship was President Teddy Roosevelt. He was returning to America from a big game hunt that he had taken part of in Africa there, and there was a whole entourage on the ship, a lot of fanfare. They were waiting on him hand and foot, and this older couple seemed to be pretty much ignored. And this man was feeling decreasing, increasingly discouraged, and they pulled up to New York Harbor. And, of course, when President Roosevelt got off, there was a big band playing, and the newspapers were there, and they made a big, huge fuss about Teddy Roosevelt returning home. And this man was so discouraged, he just told his wife, I don't feel like it's fair And she said, well, you need to talk to the Lord about it. So that night they found a cheap hotel there in New York City. And he went in and he began to talk to the Lord. He said, Lord, we've given our best for you and we're tired. And Lord, I don't mean to complain, but there wasn't even anybody here to welcome us when we got home. And he said he felt the Lord just put his hand on his shoulder. and He said, child, you're not home yet. We're not home yet. Don't be weary in well-doing. The Lord has a crown of life for those that will press on and keep moving forward. Payday's coming. It'll be worth anything. We may have to sacrifice and give up here in this life, but you know, the offer is still available today. Jesus is saying, come, follow me. The invitation is there. If you're willing to do it, the Lord will help you. The Lord will save you. Maybe you need to draw closer to the Lord. Consecrate to the Lord. Ask the Lord to sanctify you, set you apart, and God can fill you with the Holy Spirit and empower you to be a faithful follower of Christ. Oh, one day we can hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What a hope we have. You can have that hope today. Let's come and pray and seek the Lord. The song is 482. These altars are open.